Well, turning your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're looking this morning at really a brief study. We're calling it, of course, it's got there the believer in the body. As we're calling it, we're going to look at the purpose as as we're saying the believer and the body. Because what we're going to do is what is the role of an individual believer? And then how about believers as we all come together in the local church? Now, you could all say, well, we know what our goal is or our role is. That's to make disciples. Well, we're going to see that, that. That's an idea. But we're going to put things together. We're going to briefly look at God's plan and purpose for us individually and then corporately, and that's the goal. And and the goal of of these next two weeks really is to challenge you and to exhort you and to encourage us to make an impact for Jesus Christ. Let's talk about it. I mentioned earlier, let's talk about the greatest message of all time. And we call that the gospel. And there, with the gospel, there is the message, which is Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. The message Jesus Christ came to the earth, died on the cross to pay for sin, and rose again. There is a response, and that is to believe in him. It's not works. It's not our goodness. It's not our righteousness. It's not our faithfulness. It's faith alone in Christ alone. And then the offer is eternal life. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you have life forever with Christ. You get eternal life the moment you believe, and you're saved and saved forever. So when you think about it, the message is Jesus died and rose again. The response is to believe in him, and the offer is eternal life. And that goes back to the verse I mentioned earlier, John three sixteen, is God so loved the world, that's us, that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus that gave him to die and rise again, that whosoever anyone would believe in him, that's the response, would never perish but have everlasting life. And that is the offer. And so as we think about that, we say, what, 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 is, what is that all about? That, that's the greatest message of all time. And I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, that you have already believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, you understood how he died for you and paid for your sins, and he offers to you a gift. The gift is eternal life, it is by faith, and the moment you believe, you're saved and saved forever. And think about this, when we trust in Jesus Christ, we're different. We're born again, we become a new person in Christ, we become a child of God, we're in Christ the church. We go from death to life, from darkness to light, from separation to eternal life, from being a child of the devil to a child of God, from being of this world to just being in the world, not of the world, but in the world. And so with all that in mind, what as believers are we supposed to do? Now you'd say, well, if you look on the sign out there, it says make disciples, that's proclaiming, proclaiming Christ and, 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 you know, and training believers. But we're going to talk about something a little bit different today. We're going to look at individually what How can you make an impact? What are you supposed to do and how can you make an impact? And then next week, we're going to talk about the church as a whole, and we're going to see how that fits together. Uh, What is your role? What are we supposed to do? I have a a little outline I want to show you, which is the two weeks this morning that we're talking about the believer and the body. And so this morning, we're going to talk about our purpose individually as a believer. We're going to actually talk about what is our message and all that, and then we're going to see these three things. Then next week, we're going to talk about the purpose of the local church, the body. We're going to talk about the body of believers, and then we're going to give three vital experiences. So there are three things here and three things there, and we'll look at it in more detail, of course, next week. So let's start with the purpose, the purpose of us. By the grace of God, we have eternal life. You understand that we don't deserve anything. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We, like sheep, have gone astray to our own way, and God demonstrates his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus to die and rise again for us. And so we, we don't deserve anything, but we belong to him. When we trust in Jesus Christ, we're saved and saved forever. I always say that there are two big decisions that a person makes. One is to believe in Christ for eternal life. The other is to offer their life. We'll talk about it in a second. But the first thing is that a person must decide what, what will they do with Jesus. 
you know, because we all sin and need a, need a Savior. Well, they believe in Jesus Christ, and he gives them eternal life. That was the, the big decision, and I hope and pray that every one of you in this room have made that decision. We're going to talk more about the offering the life, and we'll, well, I'll kind of come in there and give you more details, but we're talking about as a believer, how should we live and what should we do? And so we're going to see that. And so this morning, we're going to, and by the way, we have a responsibility. What has God called us to do? We are to walk worthy of our calling. We are children of God. We're to walk worthy of our calling. So we're going to talk about the ministry we have and the foundation to do the ministry. So let me explain something. We're going to see what ministry he's given us to do, and then we're going to see a foundation necessary so we can carry out that ministry. And I think it's going to be vital for all of us. Now, some of this is, this is not new. These are things we've taught over the years. If you've ever had the 412 or the 22, you understand a lot of this already. In fact, for most of us, you could say, we, we have a good understanding of this. What well, we should. But we all need encouragement. We all need to be saying, listen, what are we doing with our lives even right now? So we're going to talk about the ministry and the foundation. So let's talk about if I could get it, the ministry. So turn in your Bibles if you're there. Second Corinthians chapter 5. These are the verses that I read earlier, verses basically 17 through 21. But we're just going to look at verses 17, 18, and 19. We're going to see what our ministry is, and we're going to call it the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, look at verse 17. That's how we're going to start. Look what he says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're placed in Christ, which is the body of Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. You're a new person. We explained it a while ago. You went gone from death to life, from darkness to light, from being separated from God to having eternal life with God, all of those things. So if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation, a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. So that verse tells us that when you believe in Jesus Christ, you become a new creation. You become a new person. You were dead, now you're alive. You were dead in sin, now you're alive in Christ. There are a lot of great things. He says, old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. With that in mind, he then tells us this. Look at verse 18. Now, all these things are from God, all the new stuff. Who, and now he's going to explain, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, now watch, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So the thing I want you to understand is this is a ministry of reconciliation that God has reconciled us to himself through Christ. Now, we always say that here's this perfect God, and he brings sinful man back to himself. He reconciles man to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. And that's really the story of the Bible. That's how, how it all works. If you remember, we've talked about this, how the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. So we get to tell people, because it says, he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. We get to tell people how God reconciles man to himself. Now, I want you to think about that. When we go out these doors, your responsibility to other people, and we talk about ministry, we say, what kind of ministry do you have? We say, oh, I work with the youth, or I work with college, or I do that. Those are ministries, but we're talking about your overall ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. You get to tell people in this community and in this world how God brings man to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. What is the message? He died and rose again. Whoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. We have that ministry, and God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's each person, and God gives us that ministry. Now, there's more, because he goes on in verse 19. And by the way, in verse 19, he's going to say the same thing. He's going to say it a little bit differently. It's almost like he says, I just told you something, but let me go over it again to make sure you got it. Look at verse 19. Namely... 
that God was in Christ, God was using Christ, so to speak, reconciling the world to himself. That's what he said back in 18, how he reconciles the world. And then he says, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So I want you to look at this second part. He says, namely, God was using Jesus. That's how he did it. He so loved the world, he gave his son. His son died and rose again. He's using Jesus to do what? To reconcile the world to himself, to bring us back to himself. And then he says something that is amazing. He says, not counting their trespasses against them. Now, every one of us in this room, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have trespasses. Trespasses mean to step over the line. It means to openly disobey. It means to sin, okay? He says he doesn't count our trespasses against us. So we could say, wait a minute, wait a minute. So God just said, oh, listen, you've all messed up. Ah, just forget it. That's not what he says. He didn't count the trespasses against us. He didn't count our sins against us. But what did he do with our sins? Because God is a righteous God. He can't say, nah, forget it. No, he can't do that. What he did is he took our sins and he placed them on Jesus Christ. All we like sheep have gone astray each our own way, but the Lord hath laid on him all our iniquities. Jesus Christ bore in his body our sins on the cross. You understand that God doesn't count our trespasses against us because he took them off us and put them on Christ. And that means every one of them in this room, that if you got out the record book and it said, JB, sins, there is nothing on the record book because Jesus Christ has taken every sin and placed them on Jesus Christ. He is the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. And we have, look what he says, namely... God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting our trespasses against them, not against us because he put them on Christ. And he has committed, deposited to us the word of reconciliation. Now, we already said that we've got, we've got a ministry of reconciliation, which means the ministry to tell people, but he also got the word of reconciliation, which is a message. We get to tell people how God brought, brought us back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the message of the gospel which Jesus died and rose again. Whoever believes will never perish, but have everlasting life. You may get tired of me saying that, but that's the message. And that's the most important message ever. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God's salvation to everyone who what? Who believes. It's the most important message of all, that Jesus died and rose again. You believe in him, you get eternal life. He says, you have a ministry. It is a ministry of reconciliation, and you have a message. It is the message of reconciliation, which is to tell people how they can be brought back to God by faith in Jesus Christ. We get to do this. We, we get to live on this earth. Let me put this. God gives us the ministry and the message of reconciliation. So every one of us in this room, that's what we're supposed to do. We have a ministry to tell people how they can be reconciled, and we have a message, and the message is the gospel message, which helps people understand how they can have eternal life by faith alone, in Christ alone. Wow. So we say, okay, go get it. Let's go do it. And you can say, well, uh, is there more to it than this? Well, yeah, a little bit, because what is the foundation that we need the foundation to build our lives and ministry. If we're going to go do this, have the message of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation, if we're supposed to go out there and tell people how they can be brought back to God, what is the foundation? What, is, what are we going to need to do in order to be able to carry out this ministry? Well, I call it the foundation, and there are three big things. 
Number one, offer ourselves to God. Number two, keep our focus on Jesus Christ. And number three, understand who we represent. If you've been in my 2-2 or 412 classes, you know that these are, these are not new. These are famous things. These are things that we have to do. And so let's take a little bit to look at them. And the first one is to offer our lives to God. Now, I want you to understand this is a decision. The first decision that we all made in this room is that we believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. It costs us absolutely nothing. Eternal life is a gift. Salvation is a gift. It's not our works. It's not what we do. Listen, if you're picking up a book and you're reading a book and the guy tells you that salvation is a gift that costs you everything and you need to do this, this, and this, close the book and get rid of it. If you're watching on TV and somebody tells you that salvation is a gift by faith and you need to repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus and make him Lord of your life and walk down an aisle and get bad, turn the TV off because the message of salvation is not that. The message of salvation is believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. He died and rose again. Whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. That's the first decision we make. It costs us absolutely nothing. It's a gift. The second decision is to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, and that cost us our lives, and that's where we offer our lives to Jesus Christ. I want you to turn, hold your place, just leave a little marker in 2 Corinthians 5, because we're coming back, but I want you to turn to Romans. Now, you're in 2 Corinthians, just turn a few pages back toward the front of your Bible to Romans chapter 12, and as you're turning there, we're going to see this decision to offer ourselves to God. Let's see, I got it right there. Yeah, and how do we do this? What do we do? Now, let me just remind you of something. I believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life when I was 19 years old. I was in college just several years ago. And so, uh, actually, it was a lot longer than several years. You just, are y'all awake? I thought that was going to be a joke, but it wasn't. Okay, so several years ago, I put my faith in Jesus Christ when I was 19 years old. But it wasn't until I was like 25 or 26 that I came to the realization that I said, I want my life to count for Christ. Now, I had eternal life the moment I believed in Jesus, and I'm saved and saved forever. I have eternal life. But when I was 25 or 26, I came to the point where I said, Lord, I want my life to count for you. I give you my life. I want to serve you. That's what we're talking about this morning. You're going to be able, if you're going to be able to walk out this door and with the ministry of reconciliation and the message of reconciliation, the first thing you're going to have to do is say to God, God, take my life and use me for, my, for your glory. And how do we do this? Look at Romans 12, and we'll start. Look at verse 1. I just want to read it to you. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Now, there are two things I want you to understand. First of all, there's some people who think this is a salvation passage. They say, how do you get saved? You have to give your life to Jesus to be saved. This is not a salvation passage. He's writing to believers. Notice how it starts off, therefore I urge you, brethren. He's writing to believers. He's also writing to the church in Rome. Those are believers. He's telling believers what they should do. And what does he say? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies, your lives, as a living and holy sacrifice. He says, give your life. Give your life in service. See, a sacrifice means you die to yourself. In the Old Testament, they killed animals. That was a sacrifice. In the New Testament, we don't kill. We say, Lord, take my life. Use me for my, your glory, and I give you my life. And what you're making a sacrifice, because you're really saying, take my life, not what I want to do, what you want me to do. Now, it's going to cost you, and it's a big decision. And I'm going to be honest with you, from age 19, when I believed in Jesus Christ, till about 25 or 26, when I said, Lord, I want you to take my life and use me, I understood that as a believer, I should be living for God. I understood that. But I was afraid to say to God, take my life 
and use me for your glory. Because I was afraid. I was afraid he wouldn't let me be a coach because that's what I wanted to be. And I was already coaching. I was afraid that he'd make me go someplace I didn't want to go. And, and I just didn't, I didn't understand how much God loved me and wanted to use me. And so when I made that decision, uh, God changed my desires. And oh, I got to coach for a long time, but eventually changed my desires. And I get to do what I, I get to do this. And I absolutely love it. And if you said to me, would you rather be a coach than this? I'd say, no way. This is so great. See, what, what sometimes we're scared and we say to God, what if I said to God, I give you my life, use me. You think God's up there going, yeah, give me, you give me your life, I'll make you miserable. Yeah, that's what I'll do. No, he loves you beyond what you could imagine. And he's saying, you give me your life, I will let you do things beyond what you could ask or imagine. So the first decision that I think that we do, if we're going to, this foundation that we're going to have to make this thing is, is to offer our lives to God. And there's two aspects of this, and we get down to verse 2. One's a negative and one's a positive. Look at uh, chapter 12, verse 2. This is the negative. He says, do not be conformed to this world. That's the first one, and it's negative. And literally in the Greek, it says, stop being conformed to this world. They're already being conformed. He's saying, don't be conformed to this world. The world conformed means to be shaped into a mold. It's like the world is shaping us and pushing us. And the truth is, the, the culture out there is shaping us and pushing us, and we don't even realize it. It's so easy to be caught up in the thinking of the world. We say things like, ooh, everybody's wearing that shirt. I want to wear those shirts. Oh, everybody has that kind of car. I want, I want the brand new TV. I want everything that everybody else has. I want to be like I want this world. And what we don't understand is this world is contrary to God. And it's shaping us. Listen, I, I thought about the other day. I, I turned on the TV and I watched Andy Griffith, Barney and Andy. Do you know them? Some of you know them. Some of you don't. And you know, there are things, they, it, it's so what? What the word we use is so wholesome. You know why? Because you can turn on TV today and the things that they say and do on TV would be unthinkable in Andy Griffith's show. They would never say some of the words that people say. They would never do some of the things because back in those days, if they said that, they'd say, that's trash. But today people go, that's funny. That's not funny. This is the other day, I, I, I clicked through and I saw this movie, it said Goodwill Hunting. Some of you probably saw it. I thought, oh, I, th I heard about that movie. That's got Robin Williams and, and, and some guys in there like a janitor and he's so smart he can figure out everything. I wanted to see that movie, so I turned it on. In the first 10 minutes, there was a word that I would never say to you that they said about 60 times. I turned it off. I said, I can't watch that movie because I don't want that word in my brain that I might say it sometime, right? Our culture is that. And there are people today who say, well, this is what real life is like. No, it's not. The culture is shaping you, forming you. And notice what he says. Do not stop being conformed to this culture. Stop being conformed to this world. It's a fallen world system. But then he says there's a positive and the positive, but be transformed. Notice what he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What he's really saying is be transformed by the word of God. You've got to put God's word in your mind. You've got to decide, I'm not going to let this world shape me. I'm going to let the word of God shape me. I'm going to memorize the Bible. I'm going to study the Bible. I'm going to know the Bible. I'm going to try to live out the Bible. I'm going to do all of these things because I, and we have to realize that growth as a believer comes from the inside out not the outside in. See, religion is man trying to get to God, and so religion says, do this, do this, do this, as religion thinks that you can change the outside and it'll change the inside. It will not. 
The only way we change is from the inside out. And when he says, be transformed, that's metamorphose in Greek. It comes from the, uh, uh, our word metamorphosis comes from that. It means a change. It means a change from the inside out. God says, work out who you are. When he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, he doesn't say work for your salvation. He says, let who you are come worked out in your life. Here's a great truth. If you, uh, let's say we. If we are not consciously being transformed by the word of God, if we're not consciously putting God's word into our brain, we will unconsciously be conformed to this world. And it happens and you don't even know it's happening. You don't even know what's happening. So we got to make some changes. We not only do we, to, you know, we, we offer our lives. I mean, that's what we do. We say, Lord, that we, we not only say, I'm not going to be conformed to this world, but I'm going to be transformed. If you're not consciously putting God's word in your brain, studying it, knowing it, memorizing it, applying it, trying to live it out, you will unconsciously be conformed to this world. Well, that's the first thing. There's a second and that is to focus on Jesus Christ. And if you would, take right there and turn in your Bibles toward the back of your Bible to the book of Hebrews. If you get to the book of James, you've gone too far. Hebrews and Hebrews chapter 12. We'll get back to there. Uh, it's kind of funny that it's Romans 12, 1 and 2 and Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. So turn back to the book of Hebrews if you can. And we're going to see the second thing that we do. And that is that we focus on Jesus Christ. The first one is we give our lives. We say, Lord, if I'm going to make, if I'm going to have the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation, I'm going to offer my life to God. Now, I'm telling you, the offering your life to God is a biggie because it changes everything. You're actually saying to God, I want you to take my life and I want you to use me for your glory. And it's not my life. I'm giving it to you. It's a sacrifice. The second one is to keep the focus on Jesus Christ. And in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it talks about running the race of the Christian life. uh, Look at chapter uh, 12, verse 1. Therefore, Paul is, I mean, the writer, whoever it is, is writing. He says, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And he says, if you look back about the witnesses, and he's referring back to chapter 11, where all these people lived by faith. They all lived by faith. And their witnesses, he said, you got these, these people who've come before you who have lived by faith. They obeyed the word of God. What we should do is do the same thing. He says, since we have this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance, sometimes the word is weight, and the sin which so entangles us, and run with endurance the race set before us. He said, let's get anything out of our lives. And let me put it this way. Lay aside anything stopping us from growing. It could be good or bad. When he says, lay aside every weight. You know, I just watched the uh, NCAA. I love track and field because I used to coach track and field. I was just watching the NCAA championships. And you know, when people run, they hardly have any clothes on. I mean, they don't wear jackets. They don't wear boots or anything. They wear the lightest shoes they can wear. They wear the lightest uniform because they want to run that race and let nothing slow them down. And you know what he says about the Christian life? He says, remove anything that's slowing you down, whether it's good or bad. Let me just say this. What if you said, well, every day I get up and for an hour I read the paper? Well, that's not bad, but that's slowing you down. If you're not studying the Bible and reading the Bible... What if you maybe read the paper for 10 minutes and studied the Bible for 30 minutes? I mean, think about it. So he says, whatever it is, he says, remove, remove it. He says, uh, lay aside every weight and then the sin. I think for each one of us, there's probably something in our lives that affects us. That seems to be a sin that just grabs us easier than other things. He says, lay, get, get all this out of your life. 
whatever, whatever is weighting you down, whatever has entangled you, you've got to run the race with endurance. And that means day after day after day after day after day. Keep on running. And then he gets to the key. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's keeping the focus on Jesus Christ. That Greek word for looking, fixing our eyes, literally means to only look at that one thing. You know, it's easy to kind of be distracted, but he says, fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. Now, I wasn't going to say this, but we sang the song Oceans, and it talked about walking out on the water and everything. That's Peter. And, you know, the, the famous illustration of keeping your focus on Christ. Peter's in the boat. Jesus walking on the water. Peter says, if it's really you, Lord, command me to come out. And he says, come out. So Peter's walking on the water. Everything's going great. He's looking right at Jesus. He's walking to Jesus. And then it says, and then he saw the wind and the waves, and he began to sink. And the truth is this, if you take your focus off Jesus Christ when you're running the race, you will sink because you'll look at the circumstances, you'll see everything else, and before you know it, you're going to fall. And so he says, put the focus on, fixing your eyes on Jesus, and he goes on to say he's the author and perfecter of our faith. And so that's the focus. The key in our life is looking at Jesus. So we've seen, number one, offer your life. Number two, keep the focus on Jesus. And, And then number three, Understand who we represent. Now go back to 2 Corinthians 5. This is where we started, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and just understand what you're here for and who do you represent. So think about it. Have you offered your life to God in service? Have you run in the race and keeping your focus on Jesus Christ? And now, do you understand who we represent? And... and. Uh, in Acts chapter 1, he says, you shall be my witnesses. That's Christ's witnesses. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19, we got this ministry of reconciliation. We'll look at verse 20. Look what he says. Therefore, since we have the ministry of reconciliation, since we have the message and the word of reconciliation, therefore, what are we? We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. By the way, that's our message. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. How is a person reconciled to God? By faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice he says, we're ambassadors for Christ. I mean, that we're, we're, that we're ambassadors. We represent Christ into this fallen world. And what do we say? He says, God is making an appeal through us. We beg you. When you go out and talk to people, do you say something like this? Take it or leave it. No, you should say, I beg you. Believe in Jesus Christ. Understand that he died for you. He's your savior. He died and rose again. He took away your sin. You believe in him. He gives you what? Eternal life, I beg you, be reconciled to God. We're not out there like, "Mm, take it or leave it. We're out there like, we beg you. We want you to be persuaded. We want you to understand. We want you to believe. So we're ambassadors for Christ. Now, this sounds a little funny. I love our church. I love our church. I love everything about our church. And we want to invite people to come to church. We want people to come. But in reality, you don't represent this church. You sort of do, but you don't. Who do you really represent? When you walk out these doors, you represent who? Jesus Christ. You're an ambassador for Christ. You go to tell people how they can be reconciled to God by faith in Jesus Christ. Wow. So, to fulfill our ministry and our message... Three things. We offer our lives, we must keep our focus on Christ, and we must remember who we represent. 
So it's powerful stuff. So the purpose, purpose of an individual believer. Now, next week, we're going to get the purpose, and we're going to talk about the body of Christ as a whole and, and the local body and what we do. We have a ministry and a message of reconciliation. You may not have thought that. You may say, oh, I'm not in ministry at all. I don't have any ministry. Yes, you do. Whether you're working with a youth or college or anything else, that, that, that's different ministries, but you have a ministry, and your ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. You have a message, a message of reconciliation. So how are we going to do it? Offer ourselves, keep our focus on Jesus, and understand who we represent. Now, next time we're going to look more about the church. So let me give you two applications, two things, uh, or one big application really with two parts to it. So here it is. Let's, let us be prepared to fulfill our purpose. Now this morning, that's what we've done. We've stopped to look at, and this is, this is, this is very basic truths. So you should know these. Let's be prepared to fulfill our purpose. We have the ministry and the message of reconciliation. Now, the most important passage in the Bible on reconciliation is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. You have just looked at the most important passage in the Bible on God's message of bringing people back to himself. Right there. Now, we always say John 3.16 because we say that John 3.16 is the gospel. There's the message, he died and rose again. There's the response to believe in him. And there is the offer to have eternal life. So God so loved the world that he gave his son to die and rise again, that whosoever anyone would believe, that's the response, would never perish but have what? What's the offer? Eternal life. There are a lot of people confused about what the message is. It's very simple. You don't have to go to a lot of places. You can, you can, you can know and share your faith clearly using one verse. That's all you have to know. And I'll bet you that every one of you in this room probably knows John 3.16. So that's it. That's that be prepared. B, let's have the foundation to fulfill our purpose. So what do we do? We offer ourselves, keep the focus on Jesus, and understand who we represent. Now let me just say this. Offering yourself is a big one. Uh, it costs you absolutely nothing to be saved. It costs you nothing to have eternal life. It's a gift. Jesus Christ gives it to you. It's by faith alone in Christ alone, and it's not your works, your goodness. You don't hang on to it. You don't try to keep holding on. You're saved and saved forever. But you have a big decision to make as a believer, and that is what are you going to do with your life? You going to live for Christ or not? You going to go through life, and at the end you say, yep, I went through life. And when you stand before Jesus Christ, is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or as John chapter 2 says, you might be ashamed at his coming? So my challenge to all of us, you have a ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. We have that ministry. So let's build on that foundation, which is we give our lives to Christ. Now, I never regret it. I was scared. I was scared. Because I said, what, what if I say to God, I want to live for you and I'll go anywhere and do anything and he takes me out from being a, past, uh, from being a, a, a coach? Well, guess what? He did. But I wanted to. See, when I, when I made that decision, he didn't the next day say, you can't be a coach anymore. I grew for some years before he got me to a point where I was ready to go do something else. He'll do the same thing for you. Don't be afraid. Say to God, take my life. He knows better than you on what, what he wants for you, and he will do beyond what you could imagine. Second, keep the focus on Jesus. As you run the race, 
Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Run that race, get anything out of your life that's going to slow you down and just keep on going. And then finally, remember, you got a ministry. You represent Christ. You're an ambassador for Christ. You have the ministry of reconciliation and the message of reconciliation.